1 Corinthians chapter 16, and uh, I was going to have a little bit of discussion, but we're a small enough group, maybe we can just talk about it. Um, you know, we've kind of walked our way through the book of 1 Corinthians, and the, the, what we've called this series is Unity, because the church has been very divided, right? We've talked about a lot of problems, a lot of sin in the church, a lot of division in the church, factions within the church, the haves and the have-nots. So now we're bringing it to the end, and my question would be, you know, if you were Paul, how would you end this, chat, this book? And what would be your, your ending? Victory. Victory, that's a good word. I mean, you've, you've spent the last kind of 15 chapters just wearing them out over and over again, right, about all the things that they've done wrong. You know, scolding them, yelling at them. So how are you going to end? You know, what, what's the perfect ending for the book of 1 Corinthians? Well, that's what we're going to see tonight. We're going to talk about how Paul brings this book to a close. So let me read the chapter for us, and then we'll talk about it. Get my glasses, because I can't see. All right, chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable... Then I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as, I'm, as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Siphonus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they were devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to the, such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus, and Fortunus and Achaeus, because they have made up for your absence, for they have refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send greetings, Aguila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings, greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write... This greeting with my own hand, 
If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Paul covers several things, doesn't he, in this? It's kind of a scattered uh, final chapter. Talks about a number of things. There in the first part of it, he talks about giving, about generosity. He's talking about taking up a collection, helping one another. We know that this was important in the early church. They were a family. Um, we talked about in the past how fellowship was being there for one another, helping one another. So he starts out, he talks about generosity. Uh, it's interesting in that second part there, starting in verse 5, he talks about being mission-minded, about helping them on his journey, right? Helping him, helping Timothy as they're out on missionary journeys around the world. So he wants them to, to be mission-focused. Uh, another good word and something that we know Paul is in his heart, is the heart for missions. And then there, toward the end, he talked about a house church. I mean, how cool is that? One of the first uh, church plants. Uh, they are talking about uh, together with the church in their house. Um, one of the great things about the men's conference is we get to bring in all of the church planters that are in the Prestonwood Network. You know, you've heard me talk a lot in this class about the Prestonwood Network. We now have... 47 church plants in North America uh, that are associated with Prestonwood. And uh, just an amazing ministry that very few people, honestly, as the church as a whole, knows about. Uh, I got to spend time with all the church planters on Thursday night at a dinner. I love that dinner. I was incredibly sick Thursday, but I was not going to miss that. So I went up there to that dinner and just get so energized in being around those guys and just getting to hear the stories. Every time I'm there, I hear something new. Like, like this time, I was talking to Scott Lear, and Scott's in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's got about 800 people in his church, and been, I think they started in like 2007. But the cool part about Scott's story, which I didn't really know, is, is that you know, he wasn't raised in a Christian home, and his parents, actually up, I think, in the Detroit area, had found a, a track, a Christian track, in the bathroom. Like his mom had found it in the, on the floor in the bathroom, and it had been, it'd been trampled on. And she picked up that track, and through reading that track, came to know Christ. And then her, her husband came to know Christ, and then their whole family came to know Christ. And now today, Scott's church planner in Raleigh, North Carolina, just killing it out there. So, you know, just what a cool little story. And I'm always amazed at like the God stories, just from one track that somebody had been passing out, you know, in a, in a public place that made its way into a restroom. They pick it up off of the floor, start reading it, and, and think about how it's just, how many lives have been changed from that. You know, it reminded me of, uh, you know, we've had in, in, in here before, my friend that it's from Africa who tells the story about uh, how he found a Bible. Uh, he was a Muslim, and somebody had given him a Bible on the street, and he just, it was in the packed box. He found that, that Bible and sat down in a dark part of his life and started reading that Bible and converted from Islam to Christianity. So you just never know, do you? Like what, you know, like we were talking about tonight, Dr. Jeremiah, just never know what planting the seed of the gospel uh, might do and how it might impact somebody. So Paul talks about church planning as well. But what I want to spend our time talking about tonight really is, is this part that in my Bible is labeled final instructions. Okay, it's final instructions that he wants to give 
here in this letter to the Corinthians. And if you had a King James Bible, you would see that it says, final exhortation. That word exhortation means an urging done by someone close beside. So it's this, it's this plea, if you will, this urging that someone is walking next to you. And that's really more, I think, appropriate for what Paul is doing here in these final instructions. He's really, he's, he's, he's putting out a plea to these people, okay? And, and I think it's something that really could apply to us today. When I think about it, you know, we've talked about it in this series is, you know, it's kind of timely that we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians because I think as a church, uh, you know, as Christians, a lot of these issues are, are applying to us today, you know. So I could put ourselves in, in the context of what's happening and what Paul and how God is speaking through Paul. But this is an urging. He's got these final instructions, okay. It's really a plea. And, and the highlight of these final instructions are in the famous two verses that I read there in verses 13 and verse 14. You're very familiar, I'm sure, with these verses. Again, it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Some other translations, some I think maybe translated a little bit better. Uh, The New Living Translation says, Be on guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous. Okay, that act like men is not really just applicable to men. This was applicable to everybody. It says, be courageous is the interpretation it gives. And then be strong, do everything with love. King James says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men. Okay, be strong and let all your things be done with charity. Some great words in there, isn't there? Be watchful, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be courageous, be strong. I mean, those are, those are strong terms. And then, and let everything be done in love. And that, that word charity there in the King James Version, uh, the reason that word is there is it's, it's a little bit different meaning than the current day. It actually comes from an old English word that comes from a Latin word that became a Greek translation of the word agape. We talked about agape love, right? Sacrificial love. It is a term, that charity there, the way it's used, that is comprehensive both of of your love for God and for others, right? Sound familiar? It's the two greatest commandments, right? That's what that is uh, describing there in the King James when it says charity. Uh, I think it's also important to note that these are military terms, okay? These are all military terms. Watch and guard. Do not be caught by surprise, right? That word there uh, is the same word that 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 watch is the same word that Jesus uses when he talks about, you know, being prepared for the coming of Christ, okay, for the second coming. So it's, it's this live, you know, with, with, with awareness of what's going on and, and with importance for the moment is what it's talking about there. Stand firm. Do not be shaken. You know, knocked off your post, your assignment. Be courageous, okay? Do not flinch. Do not fear. You know, pressing forward, being a conqueror, Okay. Be strong, anchor deep is what I think about when I do that. You know, sustain, be movable, be resilient. These are all military terms. It's a, this is a military charge, if you will. You know, and we've, we've studied something similar in the past, haven't we? Where have we seen these, these words and this type of a charge before in the past? Anybody? We studied it not too long ago. Joshua. Thank you, man. Joshua, right? I mean, remember Joshua? Remember, 
Moses had just died, and he was about to take them over the Jordan into the promised land. And remember, God comes in the first book of Joshua. Turn over there with me. Let's, let's read that. Joshua chapter 1. Very similar time, probably, right? Very similar time. I mean, um, here you've got the Corinthians who had been beat up, for sure. We talked about that a few minutes ago. I mean, Paul had kind of wore them out. Think about the Israelites at this point. And Joshua, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Remember? Because of sin. You know, been a long, hard struggle. Here they are about to... To, to go into the promised land, but it's not going to just be easy, right? We know it's not going to be easy. So what does it say there? Starting in verse 7, it says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my service, servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Some very similar terms in there, isn't there? There's the same thing there. There's be strong and be courageous. And how about, how about that do not depart from the law? Do not turn from it, all right? Think about the law right there as, as this command to love that he gives, right? How did, what did Jesus say about, about the old commandments and about how to fulfill those? By love, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love others as you love yourself. Very similar, right? It's a similar charge, you know, in the Old Testament. He's saying, listen, obey the law of Moses. What's Paul saying? Obey the law, the law I've given that Jesus Christ gave you to love. Love God, love others. That's that word charity we just talked about. Do not turn from it. Stand firm. That's what he's telling Joshua. Stand firm. Do not turn from it. You know, I, I look through a lot of commentaries and online, and usually I'm worried whenever I can't find anybody that agrees with me. Uh, I feel like I may be out there on a, on a branch, but I'm pretty sure about this one. You know, I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of parallelism here between these two passages. You know, just the, the time, again, you know, where they had just come out of the wilderness, had a very difficult time, was about to kind of be pressing forward to take the promised land. The Corinthians, you know, a lot of tough times in there, a lot of sin in their past. You know, Paul had been pretty rough on them. They'd, they'd spent some years in the wilderness, you know, and now a very similar military charge to go. You know, that was the command that, that God gave Joshua, right, to go. Go across the Jordan, go into the promised land. Very similar, I think, charge here. You know, Paul wants them to go, all right? We've, we've learned a lot. You've made some mistakes. You know, times have been hard. You've done some things wrong. But now, okay, let's look forward, all right? Be alert, courageous, stand firm, okay? I think he's trying to motivate them. All right, and, and giving them a charge that they can, you know, kind of then dig deep. You know, I think there's a, a lot that you can learn, too, just in looking back at the book of Joshua, right? Because if I'm them, I've, and us today, you know, like I said, you could look at the current church and, 
and, and very comparable to some of the things that were happening in, in Corinth. So I could put ourselves in the same position. You know, I could think of us as being under this teaching, if you will, of Paul. All right, so whether it's the Israelites back in Joshua and the command that's coming from God then or the command that's coming from God here through Paul to the Corinthians or to us, I think we can kind of learn a lot just even by thinking about you know, the, the Israelites and taking that promised land. Just think about what happened after this charge. You know, there was, there was some big battles, right? Think about the battle of Jericho. There were some big battles. Think about the, remember the kings, the five kings that he had to fight? Remember what the Bible said, that, 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 that they were trapped in a cave and they came out and they broke their necks and hung them from a tree? Remember the big battle that he had there, though? You know, we know there's going to be some battles. You're going to meet some kings. I mean, there's a lot of people that no matter who's in the White House, they, they think that's a king that might not be for them, right? No matter, you know, some on both sides. So there's going to be some kings. There's going to be some, some walls. There's going to be some battles along the way. We saw that when we were studying the book of Joshua. There's going to be some, some wins and some losses too, isn't there? Sometimes we're going to win. Sometimes we're going to lose. Remember the, the battle of Ai? You know, they abandoned God. They weren't, they weren't thinking about God. You remember when we studied that? And, and then they all got slaughtered, right? And then they came back to God, and God was with them, and they defeated their, the, the enemy at I. You know, there's going to be times when we're tempted. Remember Achan? Remember, remember the sin? He was hiding the goods that he stole. It was what resulted in the the, the defeat there at the Battle of Ai. So sometimes we're going to be tempted along this way as well. I'm sure the Corinthians were. Sometimes we're going to have to rededicate our lives. You know, Joshua and the Israelites had to. Uh, they had to renew the covenant a couple of times. Remember when they were the circumcised, all the men, and when they went up to the mountain to renew the covenant of God? There's going to be times like that for us too. There's going to be times when we're going to feel ashamed. Remember when Joshua, after the battle, and he fell onto the ground and he put ashes on his face? Remember that? One of the great moments I love in the Bible where what does God say to him? Get up. Get up. You're a child of God. You shouldn't be laying down there on the ground. But sometimes we're going to feel humiliated. We're going to feel ashamed. You know, we're going to, the, the weight of sin is going to kind of pull us down and make us feel bad. Okay, those are the times when God is there, though, that's going to pick us up. Right? There's going to be times when we're going to get fooled, maybe. Remember the Gibeonites? I know I get fooled sometimes by people. There'll be times when you get fooled. You know, there's probably also going to be some miracles along the way. Remember when the sun stood still? Remember that miracle? There's going to be some miracles. There's going to be some good times. But, but we're going to press through it all. That's what that's what's Paul is talking about here. That's what God was giving this charge back to the Israelites. That's why Paul is giving the charge now. It's like, listen, but we're going to press forward. We're going to go through this. We know this is in front of us. We know there's going to be difficult times ahead. You're now fully equipped, Corinthians. We've talked about the problems. Now we want to move forward. We want to go into that promised land. Same thing for us, isn't it? That's what we're doing through life. We know there's all these battles, there's these wins and these losses, there's some good times, there's some bad times. All the things that we have in front of us, there's going to be those times where we need forgiveness, you know, where maybe we need to ask God, we need to repent daily, right? There's going to be a lot of those times. But, but us too, we, we need to press forward to our promised land. 
You know, we've talked about that a lot in here too. I mean, there's the, there's the upward call of Christ that we know is the ultimate promised land, but there's a, there's a promised land here on earth too, isn't there? It's, it's getting closer to God. Okay, it's that sanctification we talked about. You know, with, the closer you get to Christ, the more in line you get with Him and, and, and His heart, okay, the more you will be at peace here. The more you'll find a promised land here on this earth, okay? That's what we're all pressing for. That's what we're pressing for. So it's the same message that, that we could be talking to ourselves, that God could be speaking through, okay, Paul, not only to the Corinthians, but to us. That's what's so wonderful about the Bible, isn't it? That we can read it today and it can do the same thing for us. It can encourage us the same way, the same way. You know, and then I love, though, the, the, the love. Okay, what's he saying there? He's saying be obedient, right? Do everything in love. He gives you these military terms, okay? But then he says, okay, let everything be done in love. Because why? Because we know that, that the blessing comes in the obedience, Right? We've talked about that in here. We've heard Jarrett preach that. The blessing comes in the obedience. We know that from back there in Joshua too, right? We saw that over, we studied this when we talked about Joshua. What does it talk about there? It says that, that your success comes from what? Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left hand that you may have good success wherever you go. All right, for it says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. The blessing comes in the obedience. That's where we get it. I think that's also why, I mean, if you look at this final instructions, isn't it weird this last part there in 15 where he's talking about Stephanus and these two other people? I mean, does it even feel like it has much of a connection? <clears throat> it doesn't really to me, does it? You know, and I thought about this for a long time. I'm like, why in the world would Paul include this in there? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, you know, it makes more sense when you, when you recognize that those last two folks there, that I butchered their name a few minutes ago, okay, those last two folks, I'll blame that on my sickness, uh, those last two folks, all right, they're slaves, okay? Stephanus was the, the master, and they are slaves. But you don't see Paul mention that, do you? He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't distinguish between the two. No, no, he's talking about them both. He says, give recognition to such people. He didn't say give recognition to the master, okay? You know why? Because I think he's, he's sending a message that we are to love everyone. He doesn't make a distinction here. It wasn't just to love the servant, the one that, I mean, remember, think about who we're talking about here, the Corinthians church. These are the people that, you know, they wouldn't even eat together. Right? If, you, if you didn't have the status, you weren't going to even eat with them. Remember how they, how they butchered the Lord's Supper? Right? All right, think about this. this. This would matter to them. The, the, the two of the people you're talking about are servants or slaves. But, but Paul makes no distinction. You know why? Because I think he's trying to send the message that this love, it, 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 it goes for everybody. It makes, no, it makes no distinction between master and slave. You know, it's funny, uh, Friday night at the men's conference, you know, Stuart will love this. I, I had this whole section, and the title to it, Grace and Truth. All right, quoting from first. Uh, from John chapter 1, uh, verse 14, Christ came full of grace and truth. And what do I do? I get there to the men's conference, and what's the whole night about? Grace and truth. I'm like, God, are you trying to speak to me? That's why I wasn't about to be sick tonight. 
If for no other reason, I think it's just for this. All right, I wrote down all kinds of you know, cool things about grace and truth because really, if you think about this verse, and this is what stood out to me, that's, that's really what this verse is about. It's about grace and truth. All right, think about the, the stand firm is to stand firm in truth. Be courageous is to dig in. It's to dig in to God's word. It's military terms, right? I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna fight. And then the love part, it's the grace part. You know, it's the grace part. It's that truth and it's grace. It's really what this whole, this 1, 2, 13 and 14, these two famous verses in this final instruction is what they're really all about. And I wrote down things like, you can love and disagree. Or you can love and not condone. You know, I wrote down, love isn't about being allowed to do whatever you want. Just ask any parent, right? But we seem to think that today in this world. But then when like I said, when I got there, the first guy that gets up is this Caleb Caldebach. I don't know if you know Caleb. He wrote a book called Messy Grace. He's just an unbelievable speaker. And he gets up there and he talks about his whole things about the fact that, that living, okay, in this tension, if you will, between grace and truth is really what the Christian life is all about. I forgot my rubber band I was going to bring, but he did a great illustration for people that were there. He took this rubber band and he said that, all right, if all I'm about is truth, and he held it in one hand, it just kind of wiggles around. And if all I'm about is grace, you know, a lot of people are all about grace, it just wiggles around. But then he takes it and he pulls it apart. He said the strength is in, in the tension, right? I mean, you can see, it's just, it just wiggles. That's the truth, and that's the grace. But when you put them together, that's where the strength is at. It's in that tension. Right? It's in the tension between grace and truth. That's really what we're called to do as Christians is live in this tension. It was such a great word, you know, and it really is true. If you think about it in today's world, more, more relevant today than, than maybe ever. And he gave, he gave several things to think about. I wrote down four of them that I wanted to share with you, and I'll send these out if you want them. But the four things he said was this, uh, if you want to live in this, you want to live in this tension appropriately. He says, change your posture be known for what you're for, not what you're against. It's a good word, isn't it? I mean, too many times I think you could become known for what you're, you know, against more than what you're for. You know, it just seems so easy. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It just, it just seems like we live in a world where it's just so easy to be negative. I mean, it's just, if you're negative, people just pile on. It just never seems to trip, trickle the other way, does it? I mean, we need to pile on to the positiveness. You know, it's about what you're for, not what you're against. And number two, he said, your belief, your theology, okay, what we believe as Christians is not a reason to treat someone bad. You know, some people believe that's the case, don't they? You know, they, they kind of feel like they're moral, morally superior, maybe. You know, I, I know what God wants. You know, so it gives me a, an ability to look down on you. That was certainly a problem of the Corinthians church, right? We saw that over and over and over again. Number three, he said, think different about people, not what you believe. So he's like, don't, don't, don't change your belief system. You don't have to compromise what you believe to think differently about others. You know, and the, when he's given this context, 
you know, his story in part was when he was two years old, his mom and dad, they split, okay, and divorced to go into same-sex marriages or relationships when he was two. When he was two. So he was raised, he says, he told these stories about <clears throat> he would go with his mom mainly and, and, and he would be, you know, at these marching. He said he was marching in a gay parade one time. And there was Christians that were just screaming at them and, and, and spewing, you know, hate. And, and he was like, you know, Mom, who are those people? And she said, oh, son, those are Christians. Uh, they hate us. He's like, oh, wow, okay, well, they're Christians. They hate us. And, and then he talked about how later one of her, his uh, mom's friends were, were dying of AIDS. And they were in the hospital. And, and most of the family was Christians. And they were there in the hospital. And he said they were all up against the wall. And they wouldn't get close to him. And they were just had their Bibles open and were just you know, yelling at him. And he went in. And again, he's like, Mom, what? why are the family? Oh, they're Christians. Uh, they hate us. And uh, he said, well, he just grew up thinking that way. So when he was in college, he said that he was invited to a small group, and it was a Christian small group. And he's like, man, I'm going to go. I'm going to infiltrate this. I'm going to prove how wrong this is. Uh, and he went, and long story short, became a Christian through this, eventually became a pastor. You know, you fast forward in life, his mom's partner in life had died. His mom and dad, he had eventually made his way back here to Dallas. Caleb did. His mom and his dad both made it back to Dallas, and they both end up accepting Christ because of his testimony, his preaching the gospel. You know, so he's, he's approaching this from a pretty personal standpoint, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Uh, you know, and, and he was estranged from his parents for a long time because they just, you know, didn't believe in what he believed. Uh, so he said, think differently about people, not about what you believe. He never compromised what he believed, okay? Never compromised what he believed. The fourth thing I wrote down was stop trying to fix people. Instead, point them to Jesus. We, uh, we tend to do that, though, sometimes, don't we, as Christians? We want, I know I do. You know, my, 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 my thing is, is I see a problem, I'm, I'm a problem solver, that's what I like to do. I like to solve problems. What I do in my job every day is just ask Erin. It probably drives her crazy. If I get a problem, I solve it. I don't like things to be out there. You know, but sometimes you, don't, you can't fix things. You know, that's one of the great things about ministry in my life is it's taught me that a lot of times I just can't fix it. There's just some things that, that, that I can't help with. You know, and all I got to do is just you know, point you to Jesus. You know, and that's, that's a good lesson there, isn't it? Uh, stop trying to fix people, point them to, J to Jesus. I mean, honestly, I really believe, I really believe with all my heart, if we as Christians today can learn how to live in this tension, how to effectively live in this tension, it'll do more to advance the gospel than anything we could do. Because it's hard today, isn't it? I don't know, it seems harder than ever, maybe. You're being attacked. It's just so easy to give in. Just so easy to get bullied into giving in. And then the, the natural thing that we do when we get bullied like that is we respond. Sometimes we don't respond in love, though. You know, sometimes we'll respond and maybe it doesn't look very Christian-like. I mean, I've said this a bunch. You can just look at social media and tell. All right? It's just hateful sometimes. And, you know, one of the, one of the folks that were there at the conference also was the Benham Brothers. I don't know if you remember them, but they're two brothers that were here. They grew up in the Garland area, and they had this television show that was going to be on HGTV, and it was pulled because of their stance on abortion and same-sex marriage. And 
I had not really heard the whole story. I'd heard about it, but just getting to listen to their whole story, I mean, it was just so encouraging to me to see how through it all, really, they responded with grace and dignity and love. I mean, it was really impressive. And, you know, what was maybe even more impressive was just to, to hear about their father and just the, the foundation that he had laid for them as, as kids and just an incredible story. But, but the way they responded with such, with such grace and such love that, you know, it, it, it just transcended everything. They were given, they were talking about the people that were responding to them and the letters they would get. I mean, they would get letters from people that, you know, were violently against them, that, that would be turned and that their heart would be changed because of the way they responded to them. You know, the way they responded to them. They were getting bullied. And, 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 and if you take a stand today for Christ, you're, you're going to put yourself out there for this. I promise you. There's going to be a time. And, and honestly, in today's world, if you're not getting challenged, if you're not getting bullied, then maybe you're not living for Christ. Because that's just the world we live in. Okay? If you're going to be out there telling people about Jesus, if you're going to be out there living for Jesus, there's going to be people that are going to be challenging you. And the way you respond to this tension of not backing down from your truth, not, not giving in, not compromising, okay, but yet loving, you know, that's, that's, that's where the difference is going to be made. That's where the difference is going to be made. I, you know, I think I told you this story once. And I was in a restaurant and, and, and a waiter who I know was probably, you know, a homosexual. And, and he was taking care of us. And he was so nice to me until he saw my bracelet. And, and, and it's, immediately it changed. And I thought, man, how terrible is that, that, that this, has become a, this is a sign to him that, that I'm a bad guy. This is a sign to him that I'm a bad guy. I mean, it can't be that way, right? I want that to be a sign of love. I want, that, I want him to know that you could come to me, and I'm going to show you love. I don't care what. All right, because everybody's got problems. Everybody sins. Everybody does things that are not in accordance with God's will, right? So living in that tension, that's where it's all about. It's not backing down. It's not backing away from it. Standing firm. Love that. Stand firm. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is from Exodus 14, 13, where they're standing on the, the banks of the Red Sea, and they're about to be attacked by the Egyptians. It's right before he parted the Red Sea. And what does God say to him? He says, stand firm. Stand still, and I'm going to deliver you today. That's, that, that's the picture Okay, that Paul's giving you. Stand firm. Think about the faith that you're doing there. You're standing firm on those banks. They're coming at you to kill you. You got water in front of you. He says, stand firm. I'm going to deliver you. So that's what we're supposed to do. Stand firm in the faith and the word of God and the truth. But in all that we do, how's the end? Do it in love. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, each person here, uh, God, and for just their heart for you, Lord, that they would be here and, and just want to learn and study and fellowship. Just so grateful, God. Lord, I pray for each person, Lord, as this uh, week ahead, Lord, I pray, God, that as we go out and live in this, uh, in this tension, Lord, I pray, God, that, that we would not only be bold in our faith, Lord, and that we would tell people about you. There's nothing more important than, than pointing people to Jesus, Lord. But I pray that in all that we do, and all that we do, Lord, I pray that it will be done in love. And, Lord, I pray that in all that we do, people would see you for your incredible glory and for your incredible sacrifice and your love for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.